Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey folks, let's talk about our Amazon link at BobSeska.com. I'm in the middle of setting up a podcast studio for Kimberly Johnson and Steph Walton. And not surprisingly, I was able to buy everything I needed from Amazon.com, including cables, adapters, USB hubs, mic stands, technology I'll never fully understand, and so much more. Amazon has everything, and so can you when you go shopping through our Amazon link at BobSuska.com. Just click the all-caps link beneath the logo, and you're all set. Using our link will take you to the front page of Amazon where you shop as normal, but because you used our link, we receive a small commission on some of your purchases. Thanks for shopping through our Amazon link, and now let's the cartoons begin broadcasting from resistance headquarters relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorable never give up never surrender this is the bob zeska show presented by bubblegenius.com breaking news the fbi today raided the offices of president trump's longtime attorney michael cohen seizing records no drink when someone else says hi bob hi bob the bob seska show <laughs> i think we're on is this thing oh on hello oh tap, my god tap 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 <laughs> From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, May 7, 2019, and this is the Bob Seska Show presented by BubbleGenius.com, the greatest soap ever. Hi, how are you? My name is Bob. What's up? Hello, Bob. Day 838 of the Trump crisis, 546 days until the 2020 presidential election. And, uh, okay, so here's the deal. We're trying to get both uh, Cliff Schechter and John Aravosis from the Unprecedented Podcast on at the same time. <laughs> That's... 
That's hilarious because technology never works out. It never it never actually operates the way it's supposed to operate. So so we have one half of the unprecedented podcast. We got John Aravosis right here. Hi, John. How are you? Oh my god, I'm exhausted. <laughs> Me too. No, you have not, people listening. You have no idea. We've already spent an hour having our own podcast trying to get Skype to work. <laughs> And this other site called Source Connect that was also insane. But yeah. and that fault was, of course, Apple. Apple screwed right. us as far as trying to get Cliff on. Yep. But then Skype, Skype, I just <laughs> tweeted this too. I said, I just tweeted, I said, remember when Skype used to work? Yeah, I know. I know. It used to just work. Now Microsoft took it over and they had to change it. Now you get on Skype and, you know, I was on, Bob was on, each of our computers (laughs) said the other person wasn't on, Cliff and I had the same problem before on Leslie Marshall's show, Cliff and I were on, Leslie could see Cliff, I couldn't see Cliff, it's like, it used to just work. Yes, exactly, I've been using Skype for 10 years, John, 10 years I've been using that platform, and it gets worse and worse, And, and on top of everything else, every time I open up Skype, it automatically updates for some reason. I, I can only imagine just to make it worse. I mean, that's what they're doing. They're saying, hey, why don't we just re- screw it up for good this time? Why don't we make it impossible for anyone to, you know, make Skype calls on Skype? <laughs> that's that's what we've been dealing with all afternoon so far. So we're running a, a oh. little bit late. We don't have Cliff Schechter, but we'll, we'll see about getting him on next time. It is just, you know what? They just need to make the process of podcasting easier. And you say, oh, you, you sit in your underwear all day and talk into a microphone. How hard could that be? You have no yeah. idea how hard it is. It's yeah. a lot harder than it seems. Uh, but okay, so let's uh, let's dig in here today, John. Oh um, Patreon.com, by the way, patreon.com slash unprecedented podcast if you want to listen to the show. And remember the non-traditional spelling of un- <laughs> unprecedented. Yes, unprecedented, like exactly. the president who isn't a president. Yeah, yeah. So by the way, uh, Buzz Burbank will be back next Tuesday. Everything's fine everything's okay you can go get an update at his facebook page he's doing uh quite well and i i've spoken to him a couple of times and uh so he'll be back uh next tuesday okay now that we got all that business out of the way uh trump is at 46 percent now which which means america has completely gone nuts again john you and i have been covering uh politics in the blogosphere and social media and everything like that uh and now with podcasts barely um, <laughs> for a good long time we've been doing this and I remember when we kind of got started uh, blogging it was like America was just going crazy America was having some sort of crazy nervous breakdown and that was because partly of 9-11 and you can kind of understand why uh, an entire nation would just go indiscriminately bananas because of 9-11 I mean it makes sense it was traumatic it was horrible to witness there were thousands of people who were killed and then the subsequent exploitation of that attack for the purposes of going to war in Iraq and so on, uh, enriching Dick Cheney and, and all of his uh, his cronies. That was stressful. But now it's all entirely because there's this maniac in the White House. And for some reason, at this point, irrespective of all of the terrible things he's done, Donald Trump is at 46%, according to Gallup. And, and sure, it might be an outlier, but... <laughs> It just seems like people aren't watching. You know what it seems like? I feel like Annie Wilkes from Misery just screaming this. Have you all got amnesia? They just cheated us. This This isn't fair. Of course. And I don't understand why this is happening. And maybe you can explain it to me, John. Half of voters suck. (laughs) No, I mean, I, but I didn't, I didn't think that way before. Right. (laughs) 
I didn't think that way before. I was, it was, I was just talking to my mom about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. No, because, you know, mom is somebody who, <laughs> the applause is still going. Mom is somebody who voted for Trump. Mm-hmm. And then literally, I think it was the end of January of, of what was that? No, I'm already I'm so tired. 2017. Yeah. Right. So right when he was sworn in, she calls me and goes, he needs to be impeached. He's crazy. Yeah, I know. And I was like, so, so she figured it out right away. You know, lifelong Republican, but moderate Republican figured it out right away. And now can't stand the guy. He needs to be gone. He's, he's an embarrassment, whatever. Well, they, they many Repo- I mean, yeah. they, they always, they thought all along that what was going to happen is that he was going to suddenly pivot to being presidential. And of course that well, never no, happened. They thought he was going to pivot to be presidential, which is stuff I heard during the campaign. Yeah. Um, you know, actually Nate Silver had tweeted about it this morning and said, mm. you know, uh, look, people didn't like Hillary. I liked Hillary. People didn't like her. I mean, there was clearly, and, and after 30 years of the GOP noise machine attacking her, yeah. being surprised they didn't like her, but people didn't like Hillary. Um, Trump was able to feed into all the nativism and the racism, mm-hmm. uh, and you're right. People thought they would pivot and and he would become normal-ish. Yeah. He wasn't. And the problem is that just that fart. And I say voters because let's face it, half the public voted, which means when mm-hmm. you're talking about half of Trump supporters, you mean a quarter of the electorate, right? Right, right. But a quarter of the electorate is unfortunately nuts. And I, but I mean that though. I mean, and this is really kind of scary. What has depressed me the most and scared me the most and surprised me the most in the Trump era has been the support he continues to get from the Republican Party writ mm-hmm. large, so yep. members of Congress, and the support he gets from Republican voters writ large, not just the crazy base. Fuck the base. I don't give a... I'm sorry, I don't know if I can swear on your show. <laughs> yeah, sure you can. Oh, I never know, but I mean, forget the base. Of course you can. Fuck you! Yeah, we curse on You know what's show. funny, actually? A friend years ago had told me we were, we were at brunch, and she brought her, like, six-year-old daughter, and she goes... You always swear when you talk politics. You gotta be careful about that. <laughs> you have to. You have to now. Well, no, I no, no. But what I didn't realize was it's only when I talk politics that it comes out. And I was like, oh, that's really. And this was now 15 years ago. So now I realize when I get into politics, it, it's like this other person who's angry comes. You, know, <laughs> right? you don't want to see me when I'm angry. See, for for me, it's um, anything, anything. Oh. I always tell the story that when I was in college, I uh, was a delivery guy for Domino's Pizza, and I remember standing there one day folding pizza boxes. Uh, you know and as we wait for another uh, delivery to make. And my manager turns to me and goes, you know, Bob, you'd make a great Domino's manager. And I said, oh, yeah? And he said, yeah, you would. Except for the fact that you say the word fuck too much. Oh. <laughs> so there I was. Here's your, here's your fucking pizza. Yeah. And I'm say, <laughs> in, 30 minutes, yeah. in 30 minutes or less. Um, <laughs> no, right. but, uh, but no, but I think, but I think what it, but that's something that we all have to keep focusing on because mm-hmm. it, it isn't just that Trump is, you know, is an errant aberration. It's that the Republican Party was willing to continue supporting him when he took decidedly un-American positions. Yep. They, at the very least... Whatever you say about the Republicans, I didn't think they were un-American. I thought mm-hmm. on defense they actually gave a damn, and they don't. They're happy to watch him sell us out to Putin. They're happy to watch him sell us out to Kim in North Korea. That scares me. And then to watch Republicans overall see what a sleazebag this guy is, what a grifter mm-hmm. he is, and to still support him and say we approve, that's sick, and it means we've got a much bigger problem in this country. Yeah. And I don't know that it's even solvable because— because this is how, you know, this is how fascism comes. And I, I mean, you don't have to use the word fascism, but the point is all those historical times we looked at, we said, how is it all that crazy stuff happened in those other countries? <laughs> they must have, oh, it's because the Jews didn't have guns, you know, or the NRA's <laughs> right. argument about the Holocaust, right? It's always some crazy reason. Oh, that's because Germans let it happen because they're just bad people, you know, mm-hmm. or in Africa, Rwanda, because blah, blah. We always find a special excuse that applies to them and doesn't apply to us because we're just better over here. And you see, 
yeah, it's not the Holocaust. But you see how Trump has has done things that are so outside of the realm of acceptable for any American oh, president yeah. that any other American president would have been impeached on day one, and he's not because he's normalized it. And, and I'll stop with this, but half the population and the Republican Party, they're okay with normalizing stuff that just a few years ago was you know, a, a death sentence politically. Yeah. And now it's not. Yeah. I mean, remember, they screamed about Obama for eight years. Now, Obama was uh, implementing this gigantic power grab with all these executive orders and, and yeah. the Affordable Care Act, you know, giving people health care is just horrible. Yeah. And and so what they were doing is screaming about, you know, Obama, Obama's authoritarianism. And, and here they are with Donald Trump doing that exact thing as if Obama yes. was anywhere close to what Donald Trump is doing, as if Obama was talking about, hey, you know what, let's have an additional two years onto my first term, you know, because I was being investigated because I'm a crook. And so maybe we'll just expand my first term as president to six years from four. And this is a, a legitimate point of conversation. Well, you know, you know what's funny? You bring that up because that all happened in the last couple of days. Yeah. Pelosi was the first one to actually start talking about it this time around. This, this has come up before about a year, maybe a year or so ago, maybe more. Mm-hmm. People started noting that Trump kept making these weird rumblings about about maybe not leaving. And I remember even yeah. on our podcast talking to Malcolm Nance and we were all agreeing and saying, I kind of have a feeling like we're going to be dragging his fat ass kicking and screaming out of the White House on <laughs> yeah. January 20th or 21st, on January 20th, you know, 2021. And so then what happens, as, as you were just saying, in the last couple of days, he tweets and says, you know, Mueller, Mueller stole the first two years of my presidency. And then he made some kind of a weird comment about what, do you, I don't know if you have it handy, but some kind of weird comment that almost sounded like he's literally saying, like, let's just not have elections in 2020 and let's have them in 2022 instead. Yeah. Now, the problem is, and again, we've seen it before, first Republicans are going to say, oh, he's, they're going to say off the record. They're not going to say it publicly. They're going to yeah. tell you and me, he's just being Trump. Don't worry about him. And then what happens is, as we approach the 2020 elections, Lindsey frickin' Graham and Mitch McConnell are going to be out there publicly. And, and, and what's his name? Jim Jordan, spell it with a G, G-Y-M Jordan, sure. are going to be out there talking about how, yeah, we need to postpone the elections for two years because Trump's presidency was stolen. Yeah. And, and you that, know what? No, that's that's going to happen. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, that we're even talking about this. The way they're going to do it is kind of the same way they were able to uh, conduct a backdoor firing of Robert Mueller. They're going to do it quietly. They're going to do it in a way that seems like something else. Like they right now with uh, William Barr, or as we were saying on your show, Bob Barr, <laughs> Bob because Barr. Bob Barr. <laughs> um, you know, with Bill Barr, what they've been doing is sort of this quiet, subtle uh, operation behind the scenes where they were able to shut down Mueller's investigation, apparently. I mean, we'll find out for sure from Robert Mueller next Wednesday. But it seems like they were able to do that, and then they were able to delay the release of the report for three weeks plus so that they could really get their hands in there and redact what they needed to redact. And so that their lie could stick. We had three weeks of of, of, of Bill Barr lying about what the report said, and that was repeated for three weeks, and we, Mm -hmm. you know, the media believed him. So what they're going to do is they're going to come up with some other pretext, some other reason to subtly change the election, or if the election goes forward, to subtly change how they approach the outcome. And you know what? Oh, the, the, yeah. the scariest, here's yeah. the scariest part about it, John, is that for some reason I've been having this premonition that we have the election in November, and this is, I know, this is scary shit. It's all scary shit. But we have the election in November of 2020, and then uh, obviously the Democrat wins. And then Donald Trump tries to undermine the results of that election to the point where it it throws the whole thing 
into absolute chaos. Yes. And, and, and here's yeah. the real nightmare scenario. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer stepping up to a microphone and going, well, there's an inauguration day on January 20th, and we just need to wait until then to see who gets inaugurated. And so I, could, I could just see the Democrats yeah. weekly allowing well, this to happen. And that's I mean, my big yes, concern. But, I mean, my yeah, overall big concern yeah. is that they're, they're just in the face of Donald Trump and all of this madness he's implementing. They're just terrified. They're, they're well, horrified by what they're seeing. I mean, the problem is. And I kind of defend them here to a degree. The problem is the Democrats have to be the big boys and girls in the room, right? Yeah. So when it comes to impeachment, Republicans can, you know, it's funny. In retrospect, I am not happy about what Bill Clinton did with lying about Monica under oath. Having said that, I remember because, you know, we weren't really writing back then, right? We didn't have blogs and things back then. Sure. I remember telling a friend at the time, you know what? The Republicans had a witch hunt and they caught a witch. Yeah. In other words, they were they were just incessantly going after Clinton. It was totally unfair, but in the end, they did get him, and it bothered me. And yeah. I remember telling a friend at the time, I said, you know, I don't want him impeached, but if if Bill Clinton could just magically disappear as president and we had Gore instead, but he wasn't impeached, and there was like no scandal. It was just kind of like magic. <laughs> yeah. Would, would you want that? And he said, oh, yeah. And it was sort of, so we were, even as Democrats, we were divided because we realized even lying under oath about sex was really creepy for a president to do. You just don't mm -hmm. lie under oath. You just don't answer the question, but you don't lie under oath, right? I mean, yeah. I'm not going to lie under oath. You don't do that. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, um, you know, to take it, I'm sorry, forgetting what I was saying, but sort of to take it back to where we are today, yeah. it sounds crazy to even be discussing this concept of Trump not leaving, but mm -hmm. I absolutely see him not leaving. I see, I mean, I see it being a possibility. I see Lindsey Graham and everybody coalescing around it. We never thought they would try to steal a Supreme Court seat, and they yeah. did. I mean, we never even thought that shit was possible. They're going to do it. And what worries me is we almost don't have a choice because the alternative is like violence and civil war, mm -hmm. right? I right. mean, think of, think of, just throw this at you, Bob, and then jump in. But think about, think about if, take us back to 2000, right? Mm -hmm. With the election thing, with uh, Bush v. Gore and all of that. What if the Republicans had lost by 536 votes, more or less, <laughs> in Florida, right? Yeah, I know. What if, what if the Republicans had had the majority of the plurality of the public voting on their side? We won, they won the vote, mm -hmm. but they lost it because of a, of a couple hundred votes in a state where clearly the system was totally fucked up in Florida, and then we got the presidency anyway? They wouldn't allow it. This last election, had the Republicans had the majority vote, they would have absolutely shut it down. They would have said, I don't care if you've got 306 or whatever electoral votes you lost the majority vote or the plurality vote. Yeah. You don't get to be president. And and then it's up to us to either have a civil war or to placate them and go, okay, okay. And that's what worries me with this Trump thing is for Democrats to stand up to him even on pulling his ass out of the office means we literally have to say, Secret Service, it's your job to pull out a gun and mm -hmm. tell him, I don't know who you are. As of, as of December, as of, excuse me, the reason I'm mentioning the gun thing is because as of 1201, on, I believe it's January 20th mm -hmm. of the election of the inauguration. You are no longer president. You are no longer presidential staff. You are an interloper. Yeah. And Zbigniew Brzezinski had this happen. And there's a famous passage, I believe, in his autobiography where he talks about he had to stay to the last minute because he was Jimmy Carter's national security advisor. And, you know, you never know. And, and we had the, the Iran hostage thing going on. He had to be there because, you know, what if there's a war during the inauguration, right? Yeah. National security advisor has to be there. He logs out at midnight, walks out the door, and he realizes he left something personal, his phone, I don't know what, his wallet, in his office. And he turns <laughs> around, and the guard stopped him. Yeah. And he went, guys, I just need to get out of my wallet. He, he's, they said, sir, it's 12.01 p.m. 
you don't work here anymore. We can't let you in without a guest pass and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) The same thing. Trump will just be an ordinary citizen at that point Mm -hmm. sitting in the Oval Office without an invitation and they're going to have to remove his fat ass out of there and it's going to be a mess. Well, yeah, I mean, but if if you remember going back to, again, Blogosphere 1.0 we're all following the uh, George W. Bush administration, especially Mm -hmm. leading up to the 2004 election, we were all like, well, you know what? I bet George W. Bush, there's a chance that George W. Bush is going to cancel the election because of the war on terrorism and so on and we don't want to... you know, risk uh, uh, showing any sort of weakness by changing presidents halfway through, et cetera. But the problem was at that point in time, we had no basis for that. Because there was no Bush tweet, or because Twitter didn't exist, first of all, but there was no Bush public statement in which they were hinting at the idea of seizing additional years in in George W. Bush's first term or canceling the election for some reason. But now we've actually got uh, not only Donald Trump retweeting uh, uh, Falwell, who was talking about it, but then also um, tweeting about it himself, where he said, well, maybe we need another two years because everyone is so unfair to me and all of my myriad crimes. It's just... Seems to make yeah. no sense. I mean, but we're actually being warned on top of that. His former personal attorney, Michael Cohen, said that under oath in congressional testimony. So that if Donald Trump loses, there's a good yeah. chance, yeah, that he is not yeah. going to leave office. And that's just, yeah. it's a terrifying prospect. And um, I don't know exactly what can be done about it because what they're doing is they're relying on the idea that the opposition, they're relying on the fact that the Democrats are yeah. operating with some sort of attachment to normalcy and reality. And they're exploring exploiting that by pushing beyond normalcy, relying on the fact that the Democrats will only stick with normalcy. And we're already kind of seeing that with with Nancy Pelosi. And I'm not, again, I'm not an opponent of Nancy Pelosi. I like Nancy Pelosi. But I think what's going on right now is the Democrats are a little bit shell-shocked at what's happening uh, all around them with Donald Trump and with the congressional Republicans. And so I, I think they're having trouble wrapping their heads around the concept that these guys aren't going to follow the rules. And we're seeing this uh, contempt by Bill Barr. There's going to be a vote on that tomorrow. Um, We've got Mueller next week. But meanwhile, they've blocked Don McGahn from handing over documents uh, related to the Mueller investigation, related to anything involving. I mean, there was an entire list of documents they were looking for, all juicy, juicy items that you absolutely want to see, or at least you want to allow Congress to see these documents. Here's a really important question. I want to get your view on this, John. Why are these guys so willing to risk prison time? I mean, much less uh, being smeared in the press, having their reputation dragged down by this maniac in the White House. Why are they? Why is there this level of loyalty to the point where Don McGahn and and Bill Barr and some of these other officials are just allowing themselves to be uh, potentially rounded up and tossed in jail for contempt? I mean, how? What is keeping them loyal to this guy? I don't understand that. Well, as you said, first of all, you know, Democrats aren't going to throw you in jail because it's not what we do. It's what they do. So he knows in the end, Dems probably won't go as far. Now, Mm -hmm. let me step back too. part of the reason Pelosi is being careful about impeachment is guess what? Republicans are really good at screwing us over. We're not as good at screwing them over. Yeah. You know, and again, look at what they did stealing the Merrick Garland appointment to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. They did a great job stealing it. We did a shitty job fighting back and we lost the seat. They are so they're like an impeachment. They're I think they have, even though we're right, they have a very good chance at having impeachment blow up in our face if we try to impeach him. Yeah. That it blows up in our face. The public hates us. We lose the election. We lose the White House in 2020. We lose the House. And now we've got Donald Trump reaffirmed with both houses of Congress and we're dead for the next four years, right? Could that happen? Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
I am very sympathetic to why Pelosi is being very careful. And she's basically, I think Pelosi is trying to hold, uh, sort of hold a line where she's saying, or toe a line where she's saying, I didn't say I'm against impeachment. I said, let's have investigations, see where they go. But mm-hmm. it's premature to talk about it. And I think it is. You don't, you don't talk about impeaching the guy before we get the evidence. Mueller had a lot of evidence. We have not reviewed it yet, right? You, you build the case. Yeah. So I'm okay with that. But, but what worries me is you said it, it, it's, I guess my point is we have a bigger problem, which is we're not good at this. If we try to hold them accountable, we're <laughs> yeah, not good. We're not good at the spin. They're good at blowing it up in our face. Mm-hmm. And you can't hold somebody accountable if you don't know how to sort of win the spin war is my point. Yeah. And so therefore, I get a little upset when people say, do it anyway. It's the right thing. Well, that's nice. But in politics, I'm not here to win. No, excuse me. I'm not here to fight for something because I know we're going to lose and then we're going to be set back for a decade and lose every freaking issue we care about because we lost the Congress and the White House. Yeah. No. That's yeah. not a, that's not why we're here. Well, what's going to happen, I think, with impeachment, and I don't think the impeachment vote is going to happen anytime soon, I, I, but I think it's going to happen at some point in the not-too-distant future. But what they need to do first before that ever, ever happens is they need to put on, you know, as I've been saying on the show, they need to do a show. They need to, because we, we've seen in a poll already that only 3% of the American public has actually read the Mueller report. So what they need to do is they need to have a show so that, the details of the Mueller report are on TV. And so it seems like that's underway. Like, we got Mueller coming up next week, which is, oh, my God, it's going to be the the biggest hearing that we've seen so far in the history of this entire uh, goddamn crisis. Um, And so that's going to be crucial to swaying public opinion toward the concept of impeachment. Certainly, they're not going to have the the votes to impeach in the House if they don't convince enough Americans that impeachment is is a worthy process. And the only way they're going to do that is through the show. So they're going to do a show. And, And so they're not going to do something that is potentially going to fail they at least need to pass articles of impeachment in the house of representatives and whether it it goes to a conviction in the senate that's a different story i think what's going to happen is the election will come along and the clock will run out before they even get to an actual trial in fact i believe that mitch mcconnell will pull a merrick garland and say well we're not going to do a trial we're going to wait and see what happens and he's just going to drag his feet he's going to you know he's going to go off and and hump a crock he's just going to (laughs) start mitch mcconnell's going to go start having a having sex with a flip-flop or something and make this noise. But uh, that's exactly what we're going to witness happening. So they're never actually going to come down to uh, exonerating him. And there is another risk. If uh, there is an impeachment process, after that impeachment process is over, all of the materials and all of the scandals and crimes that we're accusing Donald Trump of would kind of disappear at that point because they will have been adjudicated. And so, yeah, I mean, we can still pull like a Benghazi fast and furious butter emails thing. We have welcome to the dog house. I don't know if you if you can hear. Can you hear it? Yes, I love it. Yes. Well, I'm visiting moms and she's got a dog and I've got a dog and someone's at the front door, which now means (laughs) it's it's mayhem. Yeah. The the early history of doing this podcast, I I had a couple of very, very large dogs who would just go bananas. And and this show was peppered with all kinds of instances where I had to go, shut up. Oh, that's actually that's exactly. Be like, Sasha, stop it! And you're like, <laughs> like, thank you. Right, right, right. So, I um, mean, you were but, saying, yeah. So, anyway, so there is a there is a risk in in the process of impeachment, but I feel like it's something that that if they can get to a point 
where they have uh, enough votes plus one, whatever it would be, 218, 218 votes, something like that, 219, they would need to have enough votes in order to pass it before they ever brought up articles of impeachment for a vote. So, but yeah. again, there is a long way to go before we get to that point. But I do think that we need to get to that point because... I mean, if for no other reason but to send the signal to Donald Trump that, you know, or to future Donald Trumps. So let's say Donald Trump Jr. or future President Camacho. And we can say, no, we're not going to deal with this kind of bullshit. We're not going to allow this kind of criminality in the White House anymore. And you're going to be held accountable if you do try anything along these lines. And so I think that is at least crucial as far as a signal to send on top of the fact that I think it would go a long way to to, to dispelling the notion, uh, that sometimes the confirmed notion that the Democrats can be a little bit weak, at least uh, uh, the Hill Democrats, um, and, and too timid to, you know, to, to get into a fight with someone like Donald Trump. And yeah. so I think they need to overcome that a little bit. And I think uh, proceeding on a path toward impeachment would uh, would do a lot toward dispelling that. Uh, sometimes frustrating concept that right. and, and again you know I, chris hayes the other night was interviewing Sidney blumenthal and blumenthal or richard blumenthal and uh blumenthal was talking about impeachment talking about uh, holding trump accountable and chris hayes i thought brought up a pretty decent point that is i mean it's difficult to prove but you can kind of look at some of the video and kind of get that impression that the democrats just seem scared and and i think this is kind of how they always seem i mean especially when we were watching uh, Harry Reid, for example, step up and try to take on George W. Bush, and it just kind of kind of falling yeah. flat, and not getting the sense that these guys were taking a uh, a hardline posture against uh, criminal behavior. As yeah. I, we're seeing a little bit of that now, certainly there are outliers, members of the uh, uh, congressional Democrats who are taking a stronger posture against Trump. Adam Schiff, Jerry Nadler, oh, yeah. certainly yeah. Maxine Waters. And they're just not taking any shit from this guy. And I think we need to see more of that. And I'd like to see a little bit more from from Nancy Pelosi quite often. But but to her credit, this uh, latest set of quotes from her with regard to the 2020 election while I don't agree that centrism is the way to defeat Donald Trump, I do agree that the priority with the 2020 election has to be to unseat Donald Trump, for, for yes. Donald Trump to lose the election. That has to be the number one priority. And yes. if that means going with someone that you may not necessarily support for the Democratic nomination, I, I think that's going to be uh, something we're all going to have to uh, well, we're always gonna, also- we're gonna have to swallow that. That's also always the case. I mean, this is something that, you know, I'm going to be talking about till I'm blue in the face. You're electing a politician. You're not electing Jesus or Moses or Yehuda or whatever the hell the names are. I mean, people (laughs) treat, and I think it's young people who may be new to politics. Mm -hmm. I also think there are certain political movements on the left that lend themselves to this kind of iography. It's one of my favorite words. Look it up. But it basically means uh, sort of holiness. Uh, Iography is taking a politician and treating them as a deity, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And you deify someone. You know, Bernie, nice guy if you like him. If he doesn't win, he loses. Hillary, same thing. You know, uh, uh, go through any of the Democratic candidates. People need to get over themselves. And I'm already seeing it where, you know, Cliff and I talk about on the show who we like. Like I like Buttigieg. I like Kamala Harris, mm-hmm. who I just learned it's Kamala and not Kamala. Right. I'm Kamala. It's Kamala. Uh, I like Kamala Harris. Uh, I like Biden. And I mean, I like more than that, but those are probably my top three. And you know what? 
I'm happy with any of them, but I'm also happy with almost anybody. I, I'm not going to be happy with Bernie, but I'll still support him. Tulsi Gabbard, that's a whole other question. Yes, I know. I <laughs> right? know. I mean, you know, but but you know what? Even Bernie. I don't like Bernie. Right. He If he's the nominee, he has to win. Yep. And people need to sort of get over this whole thing. And honestly, Bernie's fit into it, but other candidates too. This whole idea of, you know, if it's not me, it's the establishment and they're evil. Mm-hmm. No, Everybody else isn't, other than Tulsi Gabbard, nobody else is evil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so people need to get over that. Well, the key here, As I Democrats. think, is, is going to be convincing Democratic voters that this crisis is worse than you think. And, I, you know, I'm not really into the idea of scare- Do you think we need to convince them? I mean, they don't know that now? Uh, well, you know what? I think the people who follow along on Twitter every day, yes, we all know. You and I know. Right. Uh, but I think there's a lot of people, there's a lot of rank-and-file voters in this country who lean uh, Democratic who haven't fully grasped the concept that we are under attack. Russia is engaged in an invasion against American sovereignty and to the core of our democratic process in this country. And and that is a major crisis in and of itself. Then you add Donald Trump into the mix, where Donald Trump is completely overruling the rule of law with uh, right. allowing some of these subpoenas to go through and so on. He is absolutely obstructing in plain view uh, with Congress as the victims, as the American public as the victims, and the truth and the rule of law as the victims too. And so this is just a, an, another crisis. And so, uh, but I get the sense that everyone's sort of just proceeding as if, well, this is normal politics. I, I feel like there's this normalization that has set in with Donald Trump, and it's really discouraging. Oh. I mean, again, oh, I, really? again, I'm just- Democrats, I'm surprised. Among Democrats? Yeah, I know, but no, I- am saying I don't, I think the middle, I think, look, independents are the ones that scare me, because independents yeah. tend not to like Trump, but- there's also, you know, you look at the polls that are where they break it down, and I forgot what it was in the last week. There was some poll breaking down a lot more of the details, mm-hmm. and the independents were being way too pro-Trump, and it was like, guys, stop being like this little Miss Flip Floppy. You yeah. know, like, oh, I'm yeah. this way, I'm this way, I'm this way, I'm this way. And that scares me more than Democrats. Although, sure, Democrats have got to be energized, but God, I I, I don't think, I don't think, I think Demo- Democrats are pretty... Why do you not think Democrats are there? Well, I know I think party activists are there. I think people who are following this on a day-to-day basis, I think we're all there. Certainly people who watch Rachel Maddow every night, we're all there. The problem is that I just get a sense from polling and I get a sense from just taking the temperature of people around me who are on the Democratic side of the aisle. They just don't have a complete sense of the the degree of the crisis at this point and see to know how bad it's truly uh, become and, and how much worse it can get because, uh, you know, again, this is someone who has no respect for the rule of law. He has no respect for the normal operation of the, the United States government. He has no respect for the institutions of this government, including the house of representatives for God's sake. And so he is prepared to do anything that is required to make sure that he keeps his, disgusting ass out of jail. And so that's his main priority. And he knows well, and, that as and soon the as second he... priority, which is always making money, yeah, which is exactly. the other thing. Yeah. No, I heard, I heard about the tiger. He gave the, the presidential medal of freedom or whatever to tiger yes. woods. I heard about it. And I immediately said, okay, a, he saw the guy on TV and said, I want to give him a medal. He's on TV, probably on Fox news. <laughs> and then I said, how is this benefiting Trump financially? And my mm. my my, my grand uh, my nephew goes, oh, Tiger Wood is in some business deal abroad in the Middle East, opening up some golf course with Trump. And I went, okay, see, I knew it. <laughs> I knew there was some business reason fleecing his own pocket that he paid. Google it, but there's some weird business deal he's in with Tiger. And of course, oh, this now gives 
more oomph to the deal. No, that's the crap. But that's also why I feel like impeachment, you know what impeachment reminds me of? Impeachment reminds me of socialism. Hmm. And I get upset with people on the left, the socialist left, which isn't as big as it sounds on Twitter. You know, the polls yeah. show 10, 11% of the left, whatever. They're just very loud on Twitter and they're good at it or on social media. But I get upset with the socialist left. And I and I throw Ocasio-Cortez in this and I throw Bernie in this. Stop fucking calling yourself a socialist. Yeah, I know. Tell me what you want to accomplish. But, you know, why don't you just call yourself dog shit if that's what you're after? <laughs> I mean, seriously, you know, if you want to use a term that people hate in this country mm-hmm. and it shows that even the majority of Democrats can't stand that term, let alone people in the middle and the right, then call yourself dog shit or, or pick a worse word. I was going to say something really bad. You know, Santorum, use that word, right? Right, I mean, right. Pick something just awful because we, in politics, the goal is to get something done to help people and to help the country. Mm-hmm. It's not, oh, you know, I've got this pet term that I really like and I want to bring the pet term back because we need to make it okay for people to like the word socialism. No, you need to pass programs that are going to help people with health care, with the economy, right? I mean, with with getting a home, with taking care of their kids. Yep. That's what we need to do. I don't freaking care what you call it. And I forgot what you said that got me thinking about this. What were we talking about that was the same? Oh, it uh I said it reminded me of socialism. What were you saying? Uh, impeachment. Impeachment. Same yeah. thing. Stop using a word that is intentionally uh, 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 divisive. Yeah. It is intentionally a lightning rod. Because hmm. unless Republicans are, oh, impeachment, sorry, they're jumping the gun. No. This guy, even, again, I think people like my mom, people in the middle, everybody knows this guy's, everybody who we need already knows this guy is awful. Mm-hmm. Right? 45% of the country is crazy. But the rest of it, get it. Tell them, this is outrageous what the Mueller report shows. You know, walk people through it and say, we need to investigate this. Obviously, we need to understand what's going on. And Donald Trump himself has said that McGahn, his lawyer, lied to Mueller. That, yeah. that he did not tell McGahn twice to fire Mueller. That McGahn did not quit working for Trump because he refused to fire Mueller and that's why he left the, the off, right? Mm-hmm. Trump says that's a lie. Well, if Donald Trump's staff perjured themselves to Mueller, we need to, just in all fairness to Trump, we need to know that. Yeah. Well, the side- but, I mean, that, you know, but I mean, that's the argument. Mm-hmm. Fuck impeachment. And if it gets to the point that he needs to be removed from office, we'll get there. Yeah. But right now we need to know, is this true? And we've got a lot of the report we've got to delve in. That's the argument. It's not, the media puts us in a false bind and I'm sorry, but people like Representative Tlaib do the same thing when she did her, you know, impeach the motherfucker crap mm-hmm. that she did right right after she got elected. Yeah. That's st- I'm sorry, that's just freaking stupid. Yeah. I'm here to win. I'm not here to assuage the ego of some party activist who are to the left of me. That's not why we're here, guys. Yeah. We're here to win. Well, timing is important. Framing is important. And the Democrats are notoriously shitty at framing. I mean, there's yeah, no doubt about okay that. Yeah, although we did okay on healthcare, healthcare in the election. They did very well, though, in yeah, 2018, yeah. right? So sometimes we do very well at it. But but at the same time, you know, you know, we're all, again, we're all following this close up. We all know what's going on. We're up to speed on it, on a very complicated issue. And I mean, just the Russia story alone, the Russian attack yes. has so many different angles to it and so many different facts that are wound into the entire story. Um, obviously, we're going to be ahead of the, the ball game. I mean, we're going to be ahead of everybody in terms of interpreting all of that and knowing what it means. So certainly yep. there are many, many uh, just regular voters out there who may vote Democrat in some elections and they may vote Republican in some elections. But what happens is they need to get caught up before the process moves forward. And I believe that in the next uh, or in the coming month or two, uh, that catch up process will begin to take shape and that'll all start uh, next Wednesday. But before we go any further, and hearings help with that, too. Hearings. Yep. You've got to slow. 
I don't want to sort of beat a dead horse, but you've got to slowly educate people over time. Yeah. And that's what hearings do, and it's what Republicans do. Republicans will talk about it for the next year or two years or three years about one point, and they'll keep saying, Obamacare, right? It sucked, it sucked, it sucked. The stimulus, it didn't do yeah. anything. Of course it did. Yeah. <laughs> of course Obamacare was pretty good, actually. Mm-hmm. But they keep saying it, and people believe it. We've got to do the same thing. Slow and steady wins the race. Absolutely. Well, before we get into more on this, and there's obviously more constitutional crisis that we have to cover here, because we're deep yeah. into one now. I mean, now Donald Trump is challenging the authority of the House of Representatives. That in and of itself is a constitutional crisis. And we'll talk about that more in just a second. I think the main crisis for for people listening right now is that Mother's Day is just a few days away and you've got limited time to order something for your mom. Now, here's the solution. John, here's I've got a problem. I've got I don't want to say it's an addiction, but let's call it an obsession. I can't stop thinking about Sherry's Berries. I can't stop craving Sherry's Berries. I can't stop eating Sherry's Berries. God help me. Uh, Berries.com, promo code B-O-B-C. You can be a hero to your mom this week, I swear to God, by sending her the most decadent confection I have ever, ever sent. I've heard so much about Sherry's Berries over the years through various podcasts. I was like, well, how good can they be i mean how how great i I understand what they are it's uh, these gigantic strawberries the size of your head uh with uh, covered in chocolatey goodness i mean so incredibly delicious i've heard that all along and then they sent me some and first of all i got the box and the box was the box actually had heft to it that's how large these treats are inside and i popped one open i said okay i'm gonna take a bite out of one of these things i'm not a big fan of uh, of like fruit with chocolate or chocolatey goodness or chocolate chips or anything like that. I, I'm not a big fan of those things together. I, at least I haven't been in the past. And then I bit into one of these things and the juice just running down my arm. Uh, so meaty and tasty and sweet and decadent. Unbelievable. Gigantic strawberries the size of tennis balls combined with a variety of, of confections. Sherry's Berries has special Mother's Day berries designed just for mom that are topped with chocolate chips, pink shimmer sugar, and swizzles. You can uh, choose your delivery date to ensure that mom gets your gift of Sherry's Berries exactly when you want her to, and your satisfaction is always guaranteed. Don't wait until the last minute. Visit berries.com today to order freshly dipped strawberries starting at $19.99 for all the moms in your life. And make mom really happy you can double your berries for just ten dollars more that's two boxes of berries that are bigger than your head for just 29.99 but only if you use the promo code bobc again the promo code is bobc mother's day is sunday this sunday may 12 so visit berries.com that's b-e-r-r-i-e-s.com click on the microphone in the upper right corner and enter my code bobc that's berries.com click the microphone and use the promo code bobc they are delicious Delicious. The Bob Seska Show. We were marching in the line and heading for it, but our route was asinine, and you ignored it. Lost in the grand applause when the wizard's taking over Roz. I'm the Tin Man. And the scarecrow all in one And you can try to comprehend it all When the truth was the first to fall But integrity will not be outdone It's a lie, but we ain't gonna call it Not drunk, but we're already falling Down, down, away we go Stop telling me what's the 
Hi, this is uh, Jeremy Dion. The song is called Alternative Facts. <laughs> I love it. From uh, the More Lately album, jeremydion.com. We're going to put the link in the description below. Uh, okay, so we're back with John Aravosis from America Blog and the Unprecedented Podcast here today. Uh, okay, so let's get caught up with where we are, all the shit that's been going down over the last uh, 24 hours or so. So, first of all, Mitch McConnell said the case is closed, so we're moving on. <laughs> I guess we're all, we're all done. The Russians oh, aren't attacking anymore. Did you hear part of what McConnell actually said? I was watching it this morning. Yeah. He actually went off about, and the Democrats, they they hate Donald Trump more than they do Vladimir Putin. Oh, my God. Because he was saying, right, because, because, yeah, the party out there who doesn't care about Vladimir Putin is the Democrats, not the Republicans. Yeah, yeah. But this is where their balls comes in. Mm-hmm. No dem- If you were a Democratic advisor, you'd say, boss, or, excuse me, a Republican advice. If I were advising a Republican, I'd say, you can't talk about Putin. As soon as you talk about Putin, the Republicans <laughs> are going to be down our throat talking about all yeah. the press conferences, the Helsinki summit, Trump saying that he told Putin again last week that the Russia probe was a hoax. I mean, we can't bring up Putin or it'll be turned around on us. McConnell yeah. does it, and this is our fault. McConnell does it. Democrats should be lined up today talking about, oh, well, that's interesting because Trump did this, Trump did this, Trump did this with Putin, but we mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. So they feel like they've got the balls to literally accuse us of sucking up to Putin when it's them. Yeah, exactly. You're good at this. I've always said, we've got the truth on our side. We have reality on our side. You know, we even have people like Bill Kristol, for God's sake, who are on our side right now. You know what? Just get some backbone and use the truth and get out there and say the hard things that need to be said. Don't worry about what Trump is going to do or what Trump is going to tweet. Get your war faces on, Democrats, and start pushing for the things that need to be pushed for in the midst of this crisis. Americans are looking for leadership in this, and they're not getting it from Donald Trump. And that means that Nancy Pelosi and uh, and Chuck Schumer and the Democratic candidates for president need to step up and take over that role and and really show some, uh, show some spine in this, quite honestly. And, and spine that we haven't necessarily seen, but for, you know, a few remarks by some of the candidates. And, and that's to me, we need more of that. We need it uh, to be louder. We need it to be more forceful, uh, more ferocious, as the case may be. So um, but meanwhile, like Kellyanne Conway today. I mean, this is just this oh is God, what would she do? Well, you know, I, I don't spend a lot of time <laughs> talking about Kellyanne Conway, but this feeds into this this thing where. The administration doesn't know which end is up because she said today Putin and Russians see us still arguing about Russian interference in the election that did not exist. So she said that. Yes, she said the the interference. And first of all, let's point of order on the language that we're using about this, Democrats. Interference is a penalty in football. Meddling is something that the Scooby-Doo gang does to evil carnies. What we are in the midst of is an attack and an invasion. And, and, you know, members of Congress have already referred to this as an act of war. It is standard. It is believed uh, through the, throughout the intelligence community that a cyber attack is a, is an act of war and a cyber attack of this, of this caliber, of this serious level of seriousness, where they were actually able to infiltrate our elections, their and their uh, technology is improving. And the next time this happens, which is is ramping up now, uh, it's going to be even more effective than the last time. So it's just like there are so many things that need to be 
addressed in all this and overcome in addition to all the domestic obstacles to making sure our votes count we got to deal with this other thing now this uh this russian thing that the commander-in-chief refuses to even acknowledge much less uh do anything about okay but that would be but that would be another example had a top democratic white house official made some ridiculous comment about just that once again saying russia never attacked us in the last election you would have fox news which is a point cliff always makes cliff Schechter, who does the podcast with me cliff is always saying how they've got Fox News, so they could have like an entire lineup of shows from here to eternity mm-hmm. talking about how ridiculous and horrific it is what this White House official has said, right? We don't have that. You know, we've got CNN, we've got MSNBC, but they're still kind of independent. I mean, not yeah. kind of. CNN's totally independent, as is MSNBC. Good luck making Rachel Maddow cover something. I mean, <laughs> I love Rachel, but you're not going to make Rachel cover anything, no, right? No. Whereas Fox News, my God, you know, you talk to Lord, o- the, the, the the deadly overlord, and they're all going to snap and say, yes, sir, at least the evening crowd, mm-hmm, you know, exactly you know Laura right. Ingram and the rest of them. So so that's part of the problem is is... Oh God, I mean, I just imagine, I just imagine the response they would have if we did something like this mm-hmm. and it would then become a national news story with us. It's the other problem too, is we've gotten used to it. Oh yeah. Another senior White House official is once again claiming America, you know, Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor never happened. Okay. Right. La la la. I, you know, I just, and I, I always go back to uh, the 9-11 metaphor. Well, I mean, imagine uh, George W. Bush behaving the way D- uh, Donald Trump is right now in the wake of 9-11. Basically saying, you know what? I think we should have a, commu- a, a line of dialogue between us and Al-Qaeda. I think I need to open, I think I need to have a summit with Osama bin Laden. I mean, it's just be mad, utter and complete yeah. madness. I mean, to the point where, I mean, can you imagine, like, uh, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the, the head of the Taliban. I think his last name was Omar. Is this like... Uh, oh, yeah, Mullah Omar. Mullah yeah. Omar, yes, thank yeah. you. And and you imagine George W. Bush saying, ah, oh, you know what, I voluntarily called Omar this morning. We talked for an hour and a half, and he doesn't agree he that 9-11 it. happened. He denied it. <laughs> he denied, he denied it. He didn't, just, he didn't just deny it. He strongly denied it. Right, right. <laughs> and it would be madness, utter madness. People would go yeah. nuts, and they would have but a again, right to go nuts. But again, that's our fault. But Bob, yeah. that's... And when I say our, I don't mean yours and mine, but I mean... Oh, I know. And it's not just Democrats. The left overall, yeah. we are we are not good at responding to these things. We're also not good at sort of towing the line over. First of all, we're not good at agreeing, right? Mm-hmm. So you and I would be talking about that. Justice Democrats would be, you know, attacking some Democrat for being a sellout. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? I mean, they'd be primarying some Democrat next time. Somebody else would want to talk about climate change. We, Green, we couldn't get people to agree on anything. Right. Greenwald on Tucker, you know. Just, yeah, Glenn Jesus would just Christ. be... Glenn would be pointing on the little doll where America hurt him. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, could you see it? Show us, Glenn. Yeah. Show us on the doll where America oh, hurt you. Oh, man. You know, Unbelievable. I mean, Unbelievable. You know, but, it's, but, but that's part of the problem is we're mm. not. And the other thing is, and I've seen this time and again with Democrats. I've seen it with clients I've had, but also Dems overall. Yeah. Oh, we we already put out a press release on that topic. And I'm mm. like, yeah, you need to talk about it every day for the next two years for it to start to sink in. Yeah. The whole Russia hoax, how many times, Kellyanne did it again today, how many times do they reiterate? Almost once a day, mm. you hear somebody, some White House connected official or somebody senior talking about how it didn't happen. And now with the bar, the Mueller report, you're seeing the same thing. Every day you're hearing somebody uh McConnell did that lie again this morning too. You're hearing somebody misportray the Mueller report and say it totally exonerated Trump. Yeah. And they're going to do it every day. And even when we stopped Obamacare, the stimulus, like I said, even when we stopped talking about it, they still talked about it every day and how Mm -hmm. bad both of those are. And it starts to sink in. I don't know what it is. We're never going to change, but our side just 
really doesn't get how to do messaging. And I don't, no. I don't know. I, I, maybe we are too disparate too, though. I mean, I think there's, there's something in the psyche of the left that, you know, we are hurting. We are like cats trying to be herded and the right yeah. actually comes together in the end. We don't, we yeah, all got we, our little fiefdoms and we, we get upset. Our guy didn't win the primary and we don't vote, you know? Yeah. We have 65 million chefs in the kitchen and that's, that's the problem where we all have a sense of 65 million cats, but yeah, even yeah, well, yeah, that, yeah, exactly that too. And so that makes it extraordinarily challenging to have a cohesive message and because everyone thinks that they have individually the best message for the Democrats. And you know what? I'm yeah. just as guilty as anybody else. I, I think I have the best message for the day. I'm sure you do too. But there is no cohesive way to bind all of that together and to create one single message that we're all operating from. Because, you know, I, I, I get the sense too that uh, there's no urgency to go down that road either. Because, you know what, there is something to be said for the idea of churning a bunch of ideas around just to see what pops out the other end. To, to shove everything into the meat grinder and see what kind of uh, product we yeah. get at the other side. And so, you know, th that can have some benefit too. But at the same time, it makes it nearly impossible possible when you've got uh, just a, uh, a rank and file kind of party like the Republican Party just, you know, rubber stamping every single goddamn thing that Donald Trump says, no matter how batshit crazy it is. And again, I, I go to this, the original point that I asked you about at the top of the show, John, which is that I don't understand why these people are so willing to attach their reputations, attach their names to the madness coming out of the White House. It just seems incomprehensible to me that they would, in fact, going so far as to risk prison for themselves um, in defense of this guy. Uh, I mean, I can understand, like, maybe George W. Bush in the days after 9-11. You go to prison for a president like that if you're a Republican. But not Donald Trump, who's just a self-destructive wanker of the highest order. I mean, this guy is just a walking, talking disaster area and they're behaving as if he's fucking Gandhi, as if he's like the fucking Republican Messiah. And he's nowhere close to being any of those things. I mean, my God, <laughs> we see examples of that every damn day. I mean, no matter what he does, he's never going to be more popular than 40, 45%. And even that is just too much. But he, I think he's got a, uh, a floor that's a lot lower than that. It's just a matter of how the musical chairs stack up. Like if, if he ends up down at 37% in uh, September of 2020, then that's going to be good news for everybody. But if he's at 45% in September of 2020, that's going to be a little bit more difficult because then he only needs to pick up another 4 or 5%. Uh, and depending on how the electoral college shakes out, I mean, that could be another victory for him. In fact, you know, John, I've just been trying to wrap my head around the idea. Not that I believe he's going to, but I'm just trying to wrap my head around the idea of well, what if he does get reelected? I mean, what what happens then? And so then I start to think about, well, we got to make sure to retake uh, a majority in the Senate. Uh, that's going to be the main thing. If Donald Trump gets reelected. Got to make sure we have at least 51 votes in the goddamn United States Senate uh, to, to at least block any congressional um, uh, linkage between uh, the president and, and, and Congress. Because uh, I can only imagine the nightmare that would happen if Donald Trump is reelected. And can you imagine, remember George W. Bush was reelected in 2004 and immediately declared that he's got all this political capital. 
And the first thing he did with his political capital in 2005 was to try to privatize Social Security. And he yeah. spent, remember, he spent all summer of 2005 leading right up to Hurricane Katrina trying to pri- privatize Social Security. It was a disaster. So actually, there was, I mean, actually, take it back four years before. Yeah. I have never been able to find this quote because the internet was just sort of, you know, it was there, but it wasn't as big back then. <laughs> right. But 2001, I want to say it was right after Bush was sworn in. Mm-hmm. And Cheney said, and I just can't find it anywhere, but Cheney said something to the effect of, or, or Cheney was quoted as giving Bush the advice of govern as if you have a mandate. Yeah. Yep. And because remember Bush, again, Bush lost the popular vote and it was really questionable whether he even won because of the Florida mess. And Cheney's advice was you're a B and I'm paraphrasing now, be a fucking bull in a China shop. You own the place run as if 99% of the, you know, as if you're, you know, you're Kim, Kim Jong or Kim Il Jong or Kim Jong Il. I'm getting them all mixed up now. Um, (laughs) This is no Kim Jong Un. That's right. Il was the father. Un is the son. Yes. You know, as if you're North Korean dictator and, and you got 99.9% of the vote. You Mm -hmm. know I mean? That's, that's what they do. And they're very good at it. Now, Let's take that back a second. You got me thinking again on the, like you said, why would Republicans side with him? Why would they risk their lives? Why would they risk their livelihoods, go to jail, et cetera? I started thinking about this because it kind of comes with the same point we said about how is it that Republicans are always to have a unified message? How is Mm -hmm. it when election time comes, Republicans always come home and support their candidate and Democrats were still fighting this war of, you know, but is Hillary a sellout enough? Is there really a difference between Hillary and Trump? You know, that kind of crap. Mm -hmm. I think... Republican, you know, to quote Sylvia Plath, one of my favorite poets, mm-hmm. Sylvia Plath wrote, and I believe it was her poem, Daddy, my favorite. Wait, wait, uh, there's just too, was, too much, too much culture for this show. No, uh, no, I people can handle it. I, people can I handle do, it. But I, I do fart but, sounds. <laughs> there you go. No, no, but she wrote please, a poem that is please. actually very P-L-A-T-H called Daddy <laughs> that she's writing about her father and it's vicious. Yeah. But part of the poem, there's a line that says every woman loves a fascist. Now, you can you got to get into the poem to see it, but I yeah. think every Republican loves a fascist. That mm-hmm. there is something in that party and Trump has proven it even more, but we knew it. We knew it with the way they went after Merrick Garland, we knew it with the way they went after Obamacare, we knew it with the way they defend their tax cuts, the way they talk about the same issue every day for 3 years in a row until it sinks in and we don't. They have discipline, they like discipline, they like marching orders, they like somebody strong on top telling them what to do. Yep. They've got daddy issues. And if the daddy issues come Comes through when it's election time and they all snap to attention and go, yes, sir. The daddy issues come through when Mitch McConnell tells them when, when Donald Trump says, you know, d- ignore the you know man behind the curtain who's giving a blowjob to the Russian premier. Uh, you know, I mean, it's they don't care. They just want somebody strong to tell them what to do. And they don't care whether it totally goes against everything that they claim they believe in. We're not, or or even just like I said, if it's if it's an ongoing message campaign, just tell me what to do, Fox News, or tell just tell Fox News what to do. They're yeah. they're waiting to salute, and Fox News's viewers are waiting to salute. Mm-hmm. So everyone is waiting for somebody more important than them just to give them the goddamn message so they can be good little Germans. Yeah, we don't do that. They do, and. Therefore, guess what? You're not dealing with great human beings so that when when push came to shove, Trump was worse than we could ever imagine. And guess what? Republicans went, eh. As long as he's telling me what to do, I'm happy. Right, right. It's it's not even just an abused spouse. It's it's a spouse that seems to really... I don't know. They want somebody stronger running their lives. So, how, so how does this play out, John? How does this uh, this fracas with Congress and the White House 
play out uh, as far as the the back and forth. I mean, okay, so we're at this point now where the request was refused. The requests, plural, were refused by right. the White House. So then the Congress issues subpoenas, and those are refused. And then that was, that's going to go to court. Um, where does how does this all end up? I mean, at some point, some one of the sides has to cave. And I'm not sure which side that's going to be, because I get the sense that even if this, even if these subpoenas go all the way to the Supreme Court, that Donald Trump is going to defy the Supreme Court. I think Donald Trump is going to pull an Andrew Jackson. I think because Donald Trump has this, uh, I don't know, his spirit animal is Andrew Jackson for some reason, because Andrew Jackson was a fucking maniac. And what we need is a second Andrew Jackson. Thank you very much. Well... I mean, he can try. Then things get interesting because I was listening yeah. to somebody explain this the other day. Mm. You know, it's one thing for Nancy Pelosi, and it wouldn't be Pelosi, of course. It would be Nadler issuing a subpoena, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's another, because that's a, you know, a congressional subpoena. It's another thing for a court to order the administration to do something, for a court to, a federal court to order the administration to turn over documents, yeah. and for the administration to say, fuck you, we're not going to listen, even if the Supreme Court finally says, yes, we stand by the lower court, that they're going to say, we're not going to do it. The, you know, the federal court absolutely has the ability and will throw your ass in jail. They may not do it to Trump, but they'll do it to the official who was, you know, if McGahn is ordered to turn something over and he doesn't, McGahn's going to go to jail. Yeah. So you do have that, that what is good is in the end. Yes. But along the way, Trump obviously has decided he's going to say no to everything between now and the election. Mm -hmm. And again, Trump and the Republicans are just good enough that they might, you know, they almost, I think they're very upset they didn't get impeachment. They're very upset about that. Hmm. So now they're, my God, they were even complaining, right? They were even complaining out of the White House that Mueller didn't, you know, didn't find, didn't, uh, declare, not, not even find obstruction of justice, because he did. Yeah. They were complaining that Mueller didn't indict Trump. Yeah. And we're really going, they were upset because they wanted Mueller to indict Trump. Mm-hmm. They want a battle. They want an impeachment fight. Yeah. I had said, I had said before the election, by the way, even a year ago, I said, you know, if I were Donald Trump, I would undercut the Republicans and try to get Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats elected in the House. Because the only way Trump's going to get reelected is if he's got an enemy, he needs another woman to go after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, right? He's got now. He's got Pelosi. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I it's a, I, I think. Look, all we can do is take them to court and follow the normal processes, yeah, and hopefully, yeah. hopefully, and in the meantime, in the meantime, we've still got the Mueller report. We've still got witnesses who can testify. I mean, yep. Mueller's coming next week. Knock on wood. Let's see what he says because Mueller has severely disappointed me, and I know he has you too. We had you on our show talking about your article about it. Mm-hmm. You know, Mueller. I think unfortunately, Mueller is. Actually, just like you you say about Democrats, Mueller's almost trying to play by the rules too much of the old rules. Yeah, in fact, I saw someone on MSNBC no. last night saying uh, something to the effect of, well, if you look at the Mueller report and read between the lines, what you see is Mueller suggesting that maybe, yeah. and, and then implying this, and I'm going, no, 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 no. Yeah. He should have said it clearly yeah. and unequivocally, and then he should have, once the Mueller report was issued and handed over to uh, Bill Barr uh, and, and the Barr memo came out, Robert Mueller should have stepped in front of a bunch of microphones uh, the the following Monday yeah. or Tuesday or something like that. Tuesday is even better because more people are paying attention on Tuesday, and 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 said what he needed to say factually and to the point in clear words that everyone can understand. And yes. and that never happened. And that's why we're in this place now where yes. everyone's like, well, I don't know what's going on, I and I don't care. And then you open the door, you open the front yes. door of your house, and crickets are chirping and nothing's happening. If and Mueller so, were a true, I mean, yeah. if Mueller were a true American hero. 
He would go to Congress and say, I am I am no longer the special counsel. I am not here as the special counsel. Mm. I am here just like James Comey was here. I am here as a private citizen who happened to run the FBI. Yep. And I am going to tell you my opinion of what I wrote. As as the former head of the FBI looking at that report, absolutely it's somebody I would want to indict. I mean, he should literally tell the freaking truth as the former mm-hmm. head of the FBI. And, you know, he was doing this sort of, you know, ob- obeisance, or, which I love that's another good word too, where he was sort of getting down on his knees and genuflecting to to uh, Bill Barr because Barr was his boss. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so he was kind of doing fact finding and I wanted, I mean, I'm just, I'm guessing here, but, you know, he wanted to provide the facts to Barr and then Barr could decide and it wouldn't be appropriate for him to reach a conclusion and it wouldn't be appropriate for him so to say this is outrageous behavior because also you get into the weird thing you get into the weird situation where where and there's a kernel of truth to it mm-hmm. you know we got upset at Comey for making all these bizarre conclusions about Hillary that weren't legal conclusions saying yeah. well it was pretty outrageous what she did even though it wasn't illegal well fuck you you know so you do get into that weird thing where you don't want you don't want justice officials sort of commenting negatively on people when there aren't crimes involved. In this case, though, we actually think there are crimes involved, and he ought to say, yeah, if there wasn't a statute there, I would have recommended an indictment, yes. I mean, that's the kind of thing... He needs to kind of step up and be an American hero at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's the problem, and I agree with you. He's playing under old rules, and he's playing as if we've got a normal administration here, and we don't. And it, we need some heroes. Before we're going to take one last break and come back, and I want to talk about Joe. Then I got to eat because honestly, I'm fucking famished right now because <laughs> we were supposed to be done by one thirty, but we had this Skype problem. I'm serious. I'm out of my mind with hunger, so yeah, a little longer. But I got to stop because I got to eat. <laughs> okay, we're, we're going to take one last break. We're going to talk about All Joe right. Biden when we come back, and then okay. uh, and then wrap and then up John the show. <laughs> Sounds good. Back after these words. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. This is Richard Turgeon covering Damaged One by Big Head Todd and the Monsters. We played this on Friday's After Party, giving it another roll here on The Free Show. Yeah, John Aravosis is here from America Blog and the Unprecedented Podcast, patreon.com slash unprecedentedpodcast. Uh, John, I want to talk to you about Joe Biden here for a second. Uh, we mentioned sure. Joe Biden uh, a few minutes ago, and uh, I don't know that Joe Biden is necessarily the guy to uh, d- to lead the Democrats through the primaries and into the general, and, and it's not... 
It's for a variety of reasons that I've kind of, I'm not anti-Joe Biden. I'm just skeptical about whether Joe Biden's going to have what it takes to uh, actually be the nominee in all of this. Um, And part of the problem is, and again, I don't want to give too much credence to this because it's a bullshit scandal. But I'm, I'm sure you've heard about the Ukraine thing with Joe Biden. Now, what happened? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, just to give uh, people a little bit of background on this uh, very briefly. First of all, I wrote a salon piece about that. It should be up today, uh, right now at salon.com. I'm not entirely sure. So if it's not, it's not. And if it's not, it'll be up soon. Regardless, um, what happened was during the Obama administration, Joe Biden went to Ukraine and lobbied the prime minister in Kiev to uh, fire the prosecutor general. Uh, who happened to have been investigating an energy company called Burisma Holdings. Well, it turns out that Joe Biden said that we're going to withhold $1 billion in loan guarantees unless you get rid of this guy who's the prosecutor general. And, uh, and it turns out the energy company that the prosecutor general was investigating, uh, Hunter Biden sat on the board. And so it looks like, and imagine you're Donald Trump and you see this story. Uh, you're thinking, oh, this is going to be really easy to frame. Why wasn't I part of that deal? That's what you're thinking. (laughs) That's exactly right. Are you kidding? He's like, oh, shit, I should have gotten my uh, grubby little tiny stumpy hands on that one. Um, But I mean, the the fact is that he's going to make it seem as if uh, Joe Biden paid Ukraine $1 billion to drop an investigation into his own son. That's going to be the framing coming from the Trumpers. And it's already starting to happen. I just wanted to mention that uh, Don Jr. is already tweeting about it. Uh, let's see here. He said, he tweeted, Whatever. I said, sounds like creep. Uh, he sounds like sleepy Joe Biden has some explaining to do. And then, of sounds course, he's like me. Yeah. yeah, he's an idiot. Well, yeah. Don Jr., whatever. Don, oh, you mean whatever. next president of the United States, Don Jr.? <laughs> I know. I, I mean, it's terrifying. Yeah, whatever. Utterly yeah. terrifying. But he was what he was doing is he was tweeting this article from the Daily Caller, uh, Tucker Carlson's Daily Caller. It says confirmed Hunter Biden was paid by the Ukrainians while his father was vice president. Joe Biden forced Ukraine to oust the prosecutor who was investigating his son's company, just as I predicted would happen last week. Here it is taking shape. So basically, not only are they going to be able to say that Joe Biden is crooked and used American taxpayer money to get his son off the hook, but now they're going to say, oh, look, the Democrats and the Obama administration were colluding with Ukraine. How about that? And then on top of all of that, uh, I'm fairly certain Donald Trump asked uh, Bill Barr to investigate the whole thing, to open an, an investigation, which is why Kamala Harris asked Bill Barr in his uh, in the in his testimony the other day, uh, has the president asked you to conduct any investigations? And of course, what we heard back from Bill Barr was the usual confused. You you could you do you you want you you can do so you you do. He didn't quite know how to answer Kamala Harris's questions. <laughs> he just kind of stammered, and just eventually refused to even give a, a response to that. Uh, and so you've got all these dimensions to this story, and I just know they're going to use this. This is going to be the 2020 version of butter emails. Get ready. If you're yeah. on Team Biden, get ready to be swatting this one down every day, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I don't know a ton about the story, but but just from what I'd read already, <laughs> yeah. now that we're getting all the details, what a surprise, it's falling apart. Uh-huh. Like, now we find out, 
oh, the U.S. government for years had problems with with this with this guy. Yes. And for years we'd been complaining. So Biden was actually executing U.S. policy that had been on the books for years. Right. And we have documents to support it. So, you know, what a surprise. But yeah. look, Benghazi was a bunch of bullshit, too. Mm-hmm. These guys are very good at taking bullshit and turning it into, you know, Chocolate mousse. Ooh, that was scary. <laughs> yeah, but it was. But it seemed really to be the appropriate seg. It seemed to be the appropriate segue, though. Yeah. No, but they are. So, yeah. so there's enough here. Oh, his and his sons involved. They love going after children. So why not? Um, no, they're they're going to lie about it, and they're just going to. But the problem is, it is but her emails, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think Hillary did a really bad job responding on it, and I'm hoping Biden will do better. I don't know, but yeah. but not to rehash the Hillary thing, but. Again, I'm a big, I was a big Hillary supporter, not a Bernie supporter. But every time she talked about it, I felt like she was looking for a new way to explain it rather than having a solid answer. I mean, she, mm. she should have freaking said, I'm old. Yeah. You think I know what a fucking email server is? <laughs> I, I, right. I told my staff to set me up an email. They did. They screwed up. We were wrong. Now I know and we'd never do it again. Yeah. End of story. Well, And I, that's it. Obviously. But she, but, so, so you got to also have a good answer that nails it down and goes, yeah, we answered that. It was in retrospect. Yeah. If my son was on the board in retrospect, we should have had another official talk about presidential policy that had been in place for years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it yeah. didn't change anything. But sure, I would have picked somebody else now. Well, in fact, I mean, if you That's look it. at the details of the story, the Obama administration never opposed the investigation. In fact, what happened was uh, the Obama administration supported the investigation into Burisma. And at the same time, um, the subsequent prosecutor general, the person who replaced the guy that uh, the Obama administration wanted ousted, continued the investigation. So and and eventually came up with findings and punishment for the uh, the founder of Barisma Holdings and Barisma Holdings itself. So this continued on. It wasn't like Joe Biden went over there and said, "Fire that guy," and then the investigation will go away, and then we'll all be good and walk away, and and everything's fine. That's not what happened. Um, the investigation continued, and uh, with the support of the administration, and and obviously with other uh, international support, there was no tat in any alleged tit for tat uh, along those lines meanwhile it's quite possible uh and certain in my opinion that rudy giuliani uh persuaded the ukrainian government to reopen the investigation after meetings earlier this year with both uh, both of the former prosecutor general and the current prosecutor general in new york city and during one of those meetings according to the times Giuliani quote called Mr. Trump excitedly to brief him on his findings. So basically um uh, uh, an investigation that was already done and it wrapped yeah. up completely. Yeah. Rudy went over there and said, "Hey, reopen that." Well, he didn't go over there. They came to us. They came to New York. Yeah. They came to Rudy. And Rudy said, "Keep your investigation going." And they went, "Okay." And so now they're reopening the investigation. Which is just like, yeah. "Oh fuck, here's what they're doing again. They're doing this again. They're the ones who are colluding yeah. with a foreign government to yeah. give themselves an advantage in the election, and they're making yeah. it seem as if that's what the other side, that's what the Democrats are doing." It is you know, absolute I, bullshit. Yeah. I pulled up PolitiFact because I like PolitiFact. Sometimes they get stuff wrong, but they're pretty good. They try oh, yeah, to be yeah. fair, right? Just sort of impartial looking. And of course, and I will say this, PolitiFact actually did a great, they called the accusations half true, mm-hmm. which is, this is where PolitiFact is being bullshitty because the half true part, and they did a pretty good explanation. The half true part is, yes, yeah. Biden did 
call or threatened to withhold a billion in USA to Ukraine if they didn't fire a prosecutor looking into a gas company on which his son sat on the board. Right. That is true. Mm-hmm. The half part that isn't true is that it had anything to do with Biden's son being on the board, is what PolitiFact says. Right. They said the entire West was, just what you said, but it, it, more of a snippet. The entire West was united in saying this prosecutor had to go. His cases against the company had long been dormant. So that what PolitiFact said was, it's A, clear that Biden did it because it was Western policy, not because mm-hmm. of his son. And B, it's not even clear it benefited the company because all the cases the prosecutor was doing were already dormant and stale. He wasn't doing them anymore against the company. So what pisses me off a little bit, though, and this is where, again, the media has to do its job better. Yeah. You don't say half true. It's actually not true. Sure, what's half true is his son was on the board of the company. The company was being investigated. But the part that isn't true is that Biden had any, that Biden did this for any untoward reason. That part's not true. Well, then the whole claim is really, it's 100% false, really. It's not half true. When you read half true, you go, oh, well, hey, it's half true that Biden did a really bad ethical. Now, I will say this. Yes, somebody should have sat there and said, you know, boss, you shouldn't be speaking, even though Obama told you to, and even though the entire West is united against this guy, you shouldn't be the one speaking. Well, actually, I wonder whether his staff even knew at that point, because it's not like Biden did something for the company. Biden was speaking about a prosecutor, and you had to know that his son was on the board of one of the companies the prosecutor was investigating, but hadn't investigated in a very long time. Yeah, his staff might have not even known that, and Biden maybe didn't even know that. To be honest, well, hey, look, if they I mean, knew it, they should have had somebody else do it. Yeah, I mean, the, the bottom line ultimately but in the story—that's the appearance. It's not an actual conflict. It's the appearance of a conflict that you always try to avoid, but it's not an actual conflict. Well, even still, it yeah. wouldn't matter if this uh, scandal existed or not. And I don't even know if I should even really be calling it a scandal. But if this story didn't exist at all, hey, Trump would make shit up. I mean, that's, I mean, ultimately what this comes down to is no matter what the Democrats do to oppose Donald Trump, no matter what stories or, or problems the Democrats find themselves in, it doesn't matter because even if those things didn't exist, Trump would just make shit up. He would all, they're always going yeah. to find a reason to discredit and attack the Democrats. They're always going to find a process to completely and totally gaslight us to the point where we all feel like we're going bananas and we're really not. It's them who are crazy. It yeah. is, I mean, for God's sake. Uh, but of course, uh, you know, facts and reality are completely irrelevant now. We're, we're through the looking glass, and I'm just, I'm, I'm terrified right now that things have become overly normalized with this guy. And uh, I'm just getting the yeah. sense that, that we're, we're kind of there, we're kind of in that normal place with, with Donald Trump. Oh, where, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, again, uh, the, the smaller shit, the shit that would have taken down any other president, we're just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. what else? <laughs> And that What's I mean, next? and that almost should be that almost should be Joe Biden's response. Yeah. He should sit there and go, "Yeah, I shouldn't have been the one making the call, even though we all know it didn't make any difference." Mm-hmm. But seriously, you, you who have got twenty-one women, more or less, right? Twenty yeah. women, two dozen, whatever it is, twenty women who have credibly accused you of sexual assault. You who sat down and gave Vladimir Putin a fucking blowjob on national TV. <laughs> you've got the nerve to ask me. Right. You've got the nerve to criticize me, but that's okay. You shouldn't mention blowjobs, but that's the kind of response <laughs> that Democrats, because here's the thing. And again, this is PR. Yeah. The media is going to cover Joe Biden's response. So he has to make sure his response weaves in a brutal attack on Trump so mm. that all of a sudden it's like, and Joe Biden responds that Donald Trump was sexually, you know, sexually assaulted 24 women and, you know, you know, did this with Vladimir Putin. You make sure you keep talking about everything he did, the, yep. the Mueller report, obstructing justice, so that so that every time Trump brings it up, 
he knows he's going to get three more things thrown in his face. That's a PR trick that, like, I didn't create. Democrats oh God, should yes. know this. But, yeah, you know. All right. Well, we're going to have to uh, we're gonna have to go here, and you're going to have to go, I've uh, go eat my sandwich. replenish yeah. your blood sugar. Yes. <laughs> John Aramosis <laughs> from the Unprecedented Podcast. Patreon.com slash Unprecedented uh, podcast link in the description below America blog you gotta follow it every damn day and uh, yep. oh one last thing screw Facebook oh yeah that's <laughs> a whole other issue yeah take yeah. care folks bye 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 guys bye